2: Welcome to On The Line. It's Tuesday, September 27. And I'm Corey Mall. If you've never tuned in before, we are all about high school cross country and track and field. And over the first few weeks of this fall, we've been diving completely into cross country. Ensuing weeks, though, will tap into recruiting and college performances and much more. I'm going to welcome in my wonderful co-hosts, Olivia Ekbenay and Ashley Tizzi- Uh How are y'all doing? <laughs>
1: how about you how
3: are you, you almost messed up my name I there corey did, yeah
2: I, rever- <laughs> I reverted i reverted i'm a little that. disappointed i reverted i'm sorry i'm sorry
3: Ugh, it's okay i forget you
2: yeah well the biggest and most epic weekend has passed and we're here to talk about all that stuff including performances at ocean state roy Griek nike portland xc Wingfoot texas mile split and much more but guess what we're also on spotify if you like listening to stuff in your car or or while you're running, or if you're in your class, or at work, wherever. Make sure to follow us on Spotify and give us a rating. All right, uh, just before we get to our interview, some quick news. The FLO Runners Invitational has been canceled due to Hurricane Ian, and it's advancing up the Florida coast, so be safe if you're in Florida. And also, early entry registration for the Bermuda XC Challenge ends on Friday, Make sure to go to Miles, but to find out more information about that. Okay, we're getting into our interview as we do every week. And next up, we're excited to bring in an extremely talented runner from the Austin, Texas area. His name is Kevin Sanchez, and he's the returning UIL Class 6A state champion, a senior at Austin, Vandegrift, a diehard Austin FC supporter. And if you didn't know, he just committed to the University of Notre Dame. So uh, welcome. Thanks, man. Uh, Thanks for being with us. How are you doing? (laughs)
1: I'm doing pretty well. Um, a little tired, but, you know, thriving.
2: <laughs> tired because you're training so hard?
1: Uh, yeah, we can say that, sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
2: Well, Kevin, we want to start first with National Hispanic Heritage Month. It celebrates and pays tributes to generations of Latinos and Hispanic Americans uh, who have positively influenced the nation and society. For you, what does this month mean to you?
1: um it's honestly just like a really cool time um i feel like for the general part we have been getting a lot more of like um diversity and acceptance in in the country and having this like uh this hispanic heritage month is honestly just a, a really nice gesture and and i i really enjoy the fact that we have it um but yeah it's it's just really nice to be able to to have that representation and, and know that that um, that is out there so
3: now do you have any role models you know within your culture that you kind of feel like you specifically identify with or look up to and maybe you could explain that a little bit
1: yeah so i think my main uh like hispanic more specifically like mexican uh role model especially within the sport of running would be leo manzano um, he was at the, at McNeil this past weekend. So that was pretty cool. And we got to, to chat a little bit and, um, you know, he's, he's been an idol for me for, for quite some time. And, uh, just being able to be like, I guess, to, to bond with him on almost a, a more personal level, just kind of like, uh, Adam Meat is, is pretty cool. And, um, and of course, within the context of, of Hispanic heritage, it's, um, it's just really nice to be able to to have those connections.
3: That's awesome, and you know, you mentioned that this is a great you know month to be you know for to celebrate National Hispanic Heritage Month. But how does your culture shape you? Not just during this month, but I mean, every day as you go about you know your routines. I mean, how does it play such a big part of your life?
1: Uh, not that there any shade or anything, but I feel like uh, Hispanics are a lot more supportive of each other uh, within within each like social circle and, uh, within families and and friends and stuff, we're, we're a lot more like die hard. We'll scream our lungs off, uh, (laughs) at each other at, at, uh, competitions and stuff. Um, and it's, it's generally a lot of, of help, um, throughout competitions to just have that, like a lot more just tangible and, um, I guess, audible uh, support from, from your family and your friends. So I think that's that's generally the biggest part that's playing into, into my sports.
0: That's amazing. And I think that's fantastic that you and Leo actually had a chance to connect at the the meet this past week, weekend, which we'll dive into a little bit later. Just thinking about Hispanic Heritage Month, do you and your family have any special traditions that you guys do together specifically during this month?
1: Um, no, not really. We kind of just live through it (laughs) um but it's we definitely do do think about it and we're like that's pretty cool but we don't really have anything that that necessarily centers around this of course we have um uh mexican independence day uh this month um earlier this month but uh necessarily centering around national hispanic heritage month we don't really have anything um super special
0: I see. Now, as a prominent Mexican-American runner in Texas, do you feel like you're becoming a role model for the younger athletes, younger generations that did they ever come up to you and say, hey, I want to be like him someday? Like, how important (laughs) is it for you to be just a positive image out there for a lot of individuals?
1: Um, It's incredibly important for me to to really become a role model for for as many people as possible. I was talking to to Aiden Granados, uh, I think last night, uh, and we were kind of talking talking about like our influence within the running community, uh, and specifically like within within the Rio Grande Valley, where you see a lot more concentration of of Mexican Americans, um, and we were just talking about how like uh, we we really try to set the bar for for them, and I think that's that's really cool and that's really important. But we're also just like uh, we really just try to to be leaders and try to get everyone else um, up to to where we are and and with the confidence that um, that we have as well.
2: It's really great to hear that you two have a relationship, sort of a friendship that you can use that and, and sort of bond together. All right. So, Kevin. You're obviously having a great season. You're three for three so far <laughs> this weekend you won the elite boys section at Hoka McNeil. A total of eighteen boys broke fifteen minutes for three miles there you and and David Mora had a really good matchup uh, he's a five a state contender. you're a six a state contender. How big of a win was that for you this weekend?
1: It was honestly like a really a really good um indicator for me because, uh, you know, I I stepped on the line and I always think of McNeil as kind of like a state preview, right? So I stepped on the line and my heart was pumping out of my chest. It was bad. <laughs> um, like, I just, I knew there was people from all over the state that are incredibly good and they they have the same work ethic as me. And it was kind of terrifying. But I knew that, as long as I put everything I had out there i would um I would end up doing a lot better than than I would anticipate and uh Leo Manzano right before the race was like fourteen thirty five that's what you're doing, and I'm like, all right, I'll try <laughs> um, so so I went out there and um just did my best, did my thing, and um ended up coming off with the with the win and that fourteen twenty four which was which was quite nice so uh, definitely a, a really good race and i'm I'm very happy with it and um everyone else did did incredibly well my team did incredibly well and um, yeah it was just an incredibly fun meet
2: yeah i i want to dig into that actually you know looking at results it, it it almost seems like vandegrift really has a shot in 6a this year as a team to compete for that state title um you know uh Capel and uh, Taskacita are both teams also in six A searching for success. Capel finished first. You all were second. Um, how do you feel of the result as a team and and like looking forward to?
1: Oh, we are so happy. <laughs> um, we we've been thinking like all season that we are in contention for for those podium spots. Um, last year was our first year as a as a team to qualify for six A state. So that was a huge stepping stone and you you know the the like um big theory around like just if one person does it or one team does it then it's just following um for for years to come. And that's kind of what we're trying to do at Vandegrift now. Uh we have a great succession of guys. Um our top four are all different classes. So um we definitely have a really good thing going here and we're really excited for for the championship season and, uh, to see where we truly stack up, um, once it, uh, really matters.
0: I'm happy that you mentioned that because it's almost, I think it's almost like a ripple effect, right? Like once mm-hmm. you do like, okay, now we know what to do. And it just kind of continues from there. I know Corey just asked you on like, Hey, you guys have a chance to win the state title. And I know last year you were like, okay, I'm, we're starting to see it when did that shift come from like okay we can kind of see it happening to okay i think we are starting to believe now that we are this team that can win that state title was it kind of after this weekend was there a big practice that maybe you guys had that were like okay we're putting the pieces together um just kind of moving later into the season when did you guys start believing as a team that you guys can do, potentially do this
1: i think our biggest um our biggest turning point i guess was friday night lights Uh, when we despite kind of lacking a few of our people and and realizing that like we have injuries and sickness going around um, we we thought like maybe it would be a little bit of a sketchy season but Friday Night Lights was a fantastic indicator of where we're at as a team and how much we trust each other with um, with doing our jobs on the course so yeah, it was just really cool to see that. And in practice, we we have uh, our little groups and, and our, our pace groups that stick together and we all train together and we all support each other. So I think just our team dynamic is really coming together and uh, it's, it's going to hopefully come together at, at State.
0: That's amazing. Now, Corey, Ashley and I, all three of us know that you are very familiar with the Hoka McNeil Invitational course. This is, like you said, a preview to that state course. And we understand that this year was slightly different toward the end, but I don't think it was much of a factor for you. Just thinking of where you are currently right now in the season, what are some of those things that you're now starting to focus on as you and your team kind of gear towards regionals and states and even toward the national level as well?
1: Yeah, so pretty much, um we don't really, well, at least I don't really like to change anything going into into like the super important stuff. I always try to do like more of the same. Um, but obviously we're we're starting to tune in mentally um, towards really just pushing for for that championship season and then into the postseason as well. because um, if if we're one of the top teams in Texas, we're one of the top teams in the South region and we think we have a, Legitimate shot at trying to make it into the NXN uh, course as a team, so that's a that's a really exciting prospect, and we're we're really just uh, honing in on really just trusting each other and getting stuff done, getting our jobs done on the course and with each other. So,
0: I like that. As Corey mentioned, we have the honor of having the UIL 6A state champion <laughs> joining us for cross country on our show today. And I know you just mentioned you don't really like changing things as you move later into the season, but you know, this year as a senior, you're going to be defending, I'm going to be on, you're going to be on the line, trying to defend this state title. What is something that you need to do to make sure that you accomplish that? And do you feel like there's some extra added pressure to be able to do that again?
1: There definitely is some extra pressure. And I, um, everyone tells me that there shouldn't be, uh, but I I really do feel that there is that extra pressure, but um, I think it's just trust myself and know that I'm very much capable of defending my title Um, and then just seeing it all come together uh, as the race progresses. It's not going to be like the week has to be perfect. It's just going to be how I feel on the day, how I feel on the line, and then... um, just executing with what I have, just use, use the cards that I've been dealt. So
3: Kevin, I have to say, I know earlier you said that when you were on the line at McNeil, your heart was pounding in your chest, you know, you're a little nervous, but I have to say every photo or video of you I've seen crossing any sort of finish line at a race. You're like, you seem very confident. I mean, you're like flashing signs. You're kind of like saluting the crowd. Like, would you describe yourself as like a confident guy? And like, where did that come from?
1: it really depends my attitude shifts a lot uh between the the beginning of a race and then the end uh, going into every race i i'm super nervous and that's something that i've really just started to own uh just the fact that i'm a nervous racer but once i'm crossing the line um once i've gotten all my grimaces out of the way uh, i'm sure you've seen the pictures <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> once 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 I'm crossing the line, uh it's just like it's such an accomplishing feeling uh to cross the line, especially uh crossing the line first. Uh and that's that's really when uh it's kinda heat of the moment. Whatever whatever my hands do, they just end up doing it and uh uh you just kinda own it. And um but yeah, I'm I, I like to think of myself as, as a little bit of a of a confident racer, but I know deep down that I'm always nervous and like doubting every, every few things, but you know, uh, I just, uh, again, do what what I can with the cars that I've been dealt. And, uh, most of the time it, it pulls off. So
2: <laughs> I think everybody has that too, by the way, you know, it's, it's healthy. <laughs> um, a couple more yeah. questions. I want to stick on the IG thing. You have a photo account, Kev sand underscore photo. It's a compilation of your, your travels, uh, your, your travel experiences and photos. What led you to make this account and why?
1: Um, So I got a camera for, I don't even remember why I got it. I think it was for my birthday. But um, my brother had always been into photography and videography, so I was just like, I kinda wanna give this a shot. Uh, So I got the camera and started messing around with it. Uh, And it was kinda just like something that I wanted to, to do more as like a personal project um so I just I created the account and I started putting some stuff um on there I'm I don't know if you've read the the caption recently but I did put like uh I just take pictures like maybe once a year which is (laughs) not far (laughs) off (laughs) so I'll just like I'll pull the camera out of the bag every once in a while for races or or for my travels and um if there's some pictures that I like I'll just put them on the KevSan photo um on the KevSan photo account because I don't for some reason, I have this weird stigma against overpopulating my main account, um, which is why I have so many accounts. But um, <laughs> Wait, how many
3: accounts do you have? <laughs> uh,
1: I have okay. I have my main. I have the photo account. I have the running account. Um, and then I have like a few others that I manage for for like school and stuff. But gotcha. um, yeah, I I don't know why I do it, but I do do it. So, I don't know. We're just we, we roll with it.
3: <laughs> now I have to say, all right, we're going to wrap it up, staying on the social media trend here. I've seen that you're very, very active on Strava. So tell me a little bit, okay, so someone like that maybe doesn't know what Strava is or like the whole appeal of it, like what is the allure of Strava? Why do you love it so much? Why do you throw yourself into that? I just want to hear more about it.
1: Um yeah, I mean Strava is just a really nice platform uh to kind of track all my runs. Uh and sometimes my friends and, and the team, we kind of just like uh mess around with our runs and start putting like funny pictures and um our our main saying is peep the starve. So uh we're like peep the starve and if we have like a really, really good workout and I've started unironically calling it just starve instead of Strava. Which is I don't know, it's interesting, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a, a really good platform, and um, I, I just feel like it's it's a it's a good place to compile everything, and um, I don't know, it's just easy to follow, and I really really like it. It's, it's there's not really any like super specific reason that that I use it, but it's just there. <laughs>
2: Well, Kevin, uh, this has been an awesome interview. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to speak with us. Um, and Thanks we wish you the best of luck going forward. One quick question. World Cup's coming in two months. Are you following <laughs> the U.S. or the Mexican national team?
1: Um, whoever does better. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh I don't know. It'll, it'll have to come down to what, what the family is saying. So okay. I guess we'll see. <laughs> and Austin
2: FC, do they win MLS Cup this year?
1: i say we make a real good push for it but i'm not sure we'll win
2: okay i like that i mean you have confidence but you got to be realistic i get that all right kevin (laughs) thank you so much (laughs) have a great rest of the week all right
1: (laughs) thank you have a good one
2: all right you too all right awesome interview with kevin sanchez of vandegrift we're going to move on to the rest of the show and and this weekend was it it was the wild weekend out everywhere um We're going to jump into specific races and discuss their impact. We're going to start with Texas first. We had both the Texas Mildsport Invitational and, as we heard, Hoka McNeil held at the state course in Round Rock. So we're going to put up some highlights from Texas, and we're going to get into it first. All right, I'm going to start with McNeil first. Olivia, preview of the state course, what did you see there and why?
0: It was As you mentioned, Corey, this was the weekend we've been talking about leading into September that we knew was going to be huge. And boy, did it not disappoint. Kind of kicking things off from the Hoka McNeil. It was a different route at the Old Settlers Park. It was three miles instead of 5K. But for the most part, these athletes competing at the Texas State Championship had a preview to see what we can expect. Kind of kicking it off for the girls' side, it was Huge to just see a lot of great competitors, but it was just extraordinary to see Isabel Coney de Frankenberg kind of be one of those girls to dip under 17 minutes for three miles with a 16-39-30. We talked about it. I honestly think we could see the next Natalie Cook with Isabel Coney de Frankenberg in Texas. She's doing great things. And as we just mentioned, Kevin Sanchez, who we just had an extraordinary interview with. It was him versus David Mora and I know we talked about you know Austin Vandegrip is looking to get after that 6A title you have the 6A defending champion versus David Mora who is who competes in 5A who finished third last year 1424 to 1430 and honestly if I'm David Mora right now I would feel very confident going into the rest of the season with such an amazing close behind Kevin Sanchez that just speaks volumes so Kudos to all the athletes that competed at the Hoka McNeil Invitational this past weekend because it did not disappoint. But for you, Corey, what were some of those things that you saw at that meet as well?
2: Yeah, I agree with Isabel. I mean, when you look at her, she certainly is showing the characteristics of a potential state champion. She was third last year, completely different runner this year. And I think she clearly has shown where she's at. 34-second victory over Sarah Mofield. And with Sanchez and Mora, I mean, it's just fun to get state title contenders in a race together and have him to go at it. You you rarely get that. You get fourteen twenty four from Sanchez, fourteen thirty from Mora. Really good stuff. I think the the team aspect is where we're really gonna. I don't know. It's gonna be a an interesting six A battle. Southlake Carroll, mm-hmm. Capel, Vandegrift, Tascasita, the Woodlands. Anybody's game at this point. I think. Southlake Carroll and Vandegrift might be there, but Capel really made a great statement, too. Ashley, I want to get to you with McNeil. Uh, Anything significant stand out to you as well?
3: You know, kind of going along, what both of of y'all have already said, I mean, just Isabel and Kevin, those are pretty dominant performances. And to have that, you know, in September, when you still have a month to go, that's a big confidence booster, I see. And so that's what really stands out to me from McNeil personally.
2: Why don't you go into Texas Miles but You were on the ground there in Denton.
3: That's right. I was at the Garmin Miles Split Texas invite this weekend in Denton, and it was... A blast. I mean, shoot, there was thousands of people out there at, you know, six in the morning, the sun wasn't even up and everyone was ready to get after it for cross country. But I mean, hey, we were treated to some really, really good races in the, we kicked it off in the morning with the varsity elite race for the girls where we saw Georgetown's Mackenzie Bailey come away with a dominant win in 1756. She was really excited about that. I talked to her after the race. She had written and Sharpie on her back. Have a good day. She was super excited. You know, she's one that she told me she, you know, battles with some race anxiety, so just going out there and having fun. She was smiling with you know spectators as they cheered her along. So that was really cool to see. But the tasty race of the week, as I like to call it, <laughs> came in the race following Bailey's win, where we saw Bentonville, Arkansas's James American Horse battle with Wolf City's Caden Thurman to the line. I mean, there was just a tenth of a second separating these guys at the finish. It was James American Horse who came with the win in 1532 to Caden's 1532.1. That also made for uh, James' first time under 16 minutes for 5K, and so he was really pumped about that, really excited for that. And then I think the other thing that really impressed me too was You had Bentonville as a team on both the girls' and guys' sides. They made the six-hour trek across state lines into Texas, and they came away with two dominant wins in the team races. The boys scored 60 points for the win. They beat out a strong rival in Fayetteville from Arkansas as well. Then the girls' team scored 73 points to take the win over two teams in Texas that are really good, Northwest Nelson, a Bailey-led Georgetown. So, I mean, hey, it was a really exciting weekend. Any other thoughts from y'all on what you saw from this week? I want to ask. Yes. when
2: have we ever seen the stare down at the line <laughs> in a cross country race <laughs> like, how often how like often you, you, I don't... it's
3: it's rare like I'm, i was like standing there at the finish i was filming for our miles split li- you know instagram live all of a sudden i see james like turn to him like this just staring him down i was like man this is this is cross country i mean it's it's real out there
2: <laughs> olivia anything else to add
0: Yes. I want to briefly talk about James American horse here. And I know Ashley mentioned like she had a chance to talk with him after the race. And I think what was good for him to realize was like he faced a lot of teams from Arkansas. And so this was a really great race for him to be pushed. He was essentially like this is simulating our state meet. So I'm really excited about competing against some really great competition from Texas and Arkansas, which I thought was huge. And then just kind of briefly going over Mackenzie bailey i know ashley just talked really really highly of her and i know we have an amazing photo of her back um if we can have that pulled up with the sharpie that says have a good day and i think that's so important to share like this was a race where she wanted to push the pace a little bit and you know as ashley mentioned she's just been dealing with some anxiety when it comes to racing she wants to focus on enjoying running again But she wants to bring light and positivity on the course, even for the the ladies behind her. So I thought that was really awesome to have, have a good day on the back, on on her back, but also that she's embracing the love for running again. So I thought that was amazing.
2: Good stuff. We're going to move to New York, where this weekend we had both Bowdoin and Baldwinsville. We're going to start with the Bowdoin XC Classic, which featured some highly ranked national ranked teams. And I'm going to start with Ashley first. Anything in particular? Come on, Jimmy! Jimmy's crazy. Jimmy
1: with shoes. Yeah, I think that. Bowdoin, kind of the right. obvious
3: Highlight. Well, first off, you had Jimmy with shoes of Union Catholic opens his season with a win here. But I think that the highlight has to come from the boys' teams race because you had CBA and Union Catholic going head to head. Two New Jersey teams. CBA is ranked number nine in our mile split fifty. Union Catholic, Catholic number thirteen. But CBA just like completely dominated Union Catholic on the team side, winning in with forty-one points and Union Catholic scored ninety-eight. You know, even with with Susan who got that that win individually, he I mean Union Catholic was no match for the other team from New Jersey. Um, you know, CBA was led by Nicholas Sullivan, who ran sixteen flat and finished second there. So I think that was the had to be the storyline of the meet there.
2: I agree. Uh Olivia, what about you?
0: Yeah yeah totally agree with ashley it was kind of a great matchup i think the headline just going into this race was what can we see from cba and union catholic and as ashley mentioned jimmy coming at number 22 on the mile split uh rankings going into this meet finally had a chance to hit the course for the first time he won the title with the 1554 and this was the ninth fastest time by a new jersey runner on that course so again just kind of penciling his name in there in the history books but you know, this was a great matchup. I thought between CBA and Union Catholic, just kind of seeing where number 9 and 13 kind of played out to be. But, you know, CBA with the Colts finished 2nd, 4th, 10th, 12th, and 13th, as Ashley mentioned, led by Nicholas Sullivan, who finished 2nd there. But CBA finished with a 1625 average to make this team the 4th fastest in school history on this course. And Union Catholic finished with an average of 1650. So it's kind of nice when we see these mile split 50 teams kind of you know, race head to head, it just kind of shows like where they actually are. And I thought it was a great competition. And the boys race definitely stole the show there.
2: Yeah. And a little bit more on CBA here too. They went 2, 4, 10, 12, 13. Sullivan last year ran 1703 on this course. So he's 63 seconds back, better year over year. And a lot of great experience comes back, but I think you obviously have to credit the coaching staff Sean McCafferty at CBA doing a fantastic job, getting them ready for the debut uh, against UC, which ended last year with two wins over this team. So, I think it it gives uh, it sets a strong statement and precedent for CBA on this first win, and and really, I'm I'm excited to see how this. Matchup materializes in the coming weeks, but um, there was a lot more that happened than just the boys' race. I'll go back to Olivia because I think you wanted to get a little bit into Baldwinsville.
0: Yes, let's go ahead and dive into that a little bit more. Similar how CBA and Union Catholic kind of took over uh, Bowden, it was kind of FM and CNS on the girls' side at Baldwinsville, and CNS. This is something very interesting because both of these teams came in with loaded squads and CNS, I've been watching them and it seems like they're starting to build a powerhouse team. And I think that's when things started to shift for me when they showcased their talent at the VVS Invitational and that was their first meet of the season. Izzy Sullivan won that race though in a 1730, which equaled a 148 speed rating. But shoot, Kate Putman came out and showed her strength to lead cns to this victory here with and she clocked to 1741 now cns had her her sister gabby putman and hannah boyle who we've been keeping our eyes out for and she contribute they both contributed to the team's success this year but cns finished second fourth eighth ninth and eighteenth with an 1849 average and fm finished first third 10th 16 and 17th with an 1854 so really close down to the wire but you know, looking at those multiple fifty rankings, I think CNS is gonna have to be a team to really keep our eyes out for as we wait for later in the season to come.
2: So some notes on CNS. Last week when they competed at a local meet, much of their team went to uh East Syracuse to compete and they did relatively well. They were without Kate Putman who raced at Adidas XC. Mm-hmm. So I mean they were a little fractured, but if you combine those those performances they stack up really next to FM. So this win over FM isn't totally surprising because they they certainly had proven in those two races that they were capable of it. So I think this is just a good indicator that they could do it on the day. And, you know, Kate, Gabby, and Hannah, what a three for any team to have. But I think mm-hmm. right now, CNS is sort of right there with FM as the second best team in New York. Uh, Ashley, if you want to add anything on the girls' race— and on the on the guys' race, too. What are your thoughts?
3: Yeah, definitely. Again, the CNS-FM matchup was really, really entertaining on the girls' side. However, if you look at the meet as a whole, it really was uh, like kind of like an FM takeover, especially from an individual perspective, because you had Izzy Sullivan, who took the individual one in the girls' race. And then on the guys' side, you had FN's Nolan McGinn, who he opened up his season, I mean, I, I think we, all of us could agree like we didn't see him, you know, as someone he kind of just came out of nowhere. And then he runs 1522 for the win here, which is a 190 speed rating. So, again, you have two of the individual winners from FM there. So I think that's important to point out as well.
2: For sure. Let's go to Minnesota. Roy Griak. We talked about this last week. We all love Minneapolis in the fall, as we said. And Roy Greak turned out to be a heck of a meet at, at like Bolstead and in on the campus at the University of Minnesota. You know, let's just dive into it here. I'll start with Olivia. What were some of your, your general thoughts from the the championship races on the girls or boys' sides?
0: I think this was the meet I was looking forward to the most on Friday. It was definitely a matchup between Cherry Creek and also Wizeta on the girls' sides, but I want to talk about the boys really quick and then we can have conversation. But Noah Brecker of Robinson Dale Armstrong, guys, this kid is on fire. <laughs> We've seen him compete throughout the course of this cross country season, but here he ran a 15:31 for the victory and ran the second fastest performance in Roy Griak history and he was just off of Obasi Ali's 15:30.80 uh, course record for this meet. So that was something to just keep in mind as we just kind of move forward into the season and just, you know, looking at the girl side, I know this was something that we were talking about last week on our show. It was like Cherry Creek, YZeta, who are we going to go with? And it ended up being YZeta at the end of the day, um, winning the team title there. Abby Nekinicki was part of it. Again, just came out with another big win. 1737 helped grab that team title by guys one point one point separated them and she ran the third fastest time on that course behind emily covert and riley Stewart, who ran that who ran an amazing amazing time last year so lots of great things coming from roy griak this year for sure ashley i mean
3: olivia i mean it was like you said it was so excited I, i mean that was one of the meets i was really looking forward to this weekend and first i'll go to the guys i mean Shoot, Noah Brecker, he's so he's ranked number 14 right now in our miles split 50 list. And he is showing time and time again so far this season that he belongs on that list. I mean, 1531 to win there at Roy Grieck, that's such a marquee meet. Um, I think that is something where you look at Noah Brecker and you're like, he came into this season ready to compete. Also want to give a shout-out to a second, we had right behind Brecker was Jackson Hydish of Dowling Catholic, ran 1533 there. And it was Hyde. Heid- High dishes, Dowling Catholic squad that actually came in with the boys' team win with a race low 153 points. And then on to the girls' race. I mean, Abby Nekinikki, that was just wow. Like, I mean, to come away with a win by that much, over 30 seconds she gaps the field by, that's just, that's almost, like, unseen, you know, and I think she's having that comeback season that she's really been hoping for. And I'll admit, so last week on the show, me and Corey were like, all right. We think Cherry Creek's <laughs> going to get this win here at Roy Griac We were wrong. Olivia was right. But it did come down to one point. And one sh- point? <laughs> I-
2: come on. That's a One point. That's a watch. <laughs> one that's point. A watch. That <laughs> but, is a watch. I mean,
3: it just kind of shows. I mean, cross country, it's a game of inches and seconds and numbers, positions. Yeah. and it's, it's it's a numbers game. So.
2: Yeah, for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. I, I think both of those teams walk away happy with the performances. Zetta yeah. and, and Cherry Creek, both. I mean, Cherry Creek... You know, made the trip east from, from Colorado, obviously. Wanted to get a different you know, environment under them. You know, GRIAC is 500 strong, as we talked about. It's it's just a different race altogether. So a lot of the girls probably learned a lot. I mean, Wayzata uh, absolutely tore through the course, and Nekiniki, great performance overall. I'll give her credit for that. Um, Olath, Olothay, I think it's Olothay West and Naperville North, Third and fourth, I, I think that can't be discounted either because both of those teams are a little better than you would think. Um, and I think in Kansas, uh, Lethe West probably might be among the girls' favorites. Naperville North is getting there, but there's a lot of great talent in Illinois right now. So it'll be very tough for them mm-hmm. to sort of make their way into that 3 8 state championship race and really have a, you know, I think a good shot or a pathway to win it because it's just going to be. Super, super stoked this year with York and Prospect, but um they had a good outing. And on, on Brecker, I just wanted to mention the the whole idea of momentum. You know, going back to the outdoor season, he ran 413 in the 1600 meters, 903 in the 32, and he won a state title in the 32. Those Those times themselves, you know, didn't blow you away. You know, on the national scale, they're probably top 100-ish, but... If I had to guess, I would think that his offseason was absolutely flawless. You know, he had a flawless offseason. He rolled right into the the cross-country campaign, and this idea of momentum took over. And now he's won four straight meets, and he feels great. And, you know, when you see that happen, I think it's a really good tool to have. But uh, overall, great race from Roy Griak. Love to see it. We're going to move on to the next section here. In Atlanta, we had the Wingfoot XC Classic, uh, sponsored by the Atlanta Track Club. And as you can see right there, this is race footage from the boys race. Um, Olivia, do you want me to start here just because I was on the ground? It probably makes sense. Yes. Okay, so, Corey, kick it off
3: for <laughs> us. <laughs> you should start,
2: yes. <laughs> In Atlanta, Wingfoot. first off, great race, under lights on Friday, awesome field. And you you really had all the elements to make this a perfect night. So- from start to finish, you had these four guys in the frame here, just completely in the zone. Joe Sapone, Maxwell Harden, Tommy Lathan, and Taylor Wade were together almost from the start to the finish. And I will say of Maxwell Harden, uh, he had the injury bug last year. It extended into the outdoor season. So he really hadn't really had a, a good healthy stretch. He hadn't been get over he hadn't been able to get over 40 miles in a week training wise. So, just to be feel healthy and get on the line was huge for him, and he he raced uh, brilliantly. Uh, but as we can see here, Joe Sapone just has this knack for finishing. This is the final <laughs> stretch. He just turned it on, and he, that 152 speed came over. Um, Horton said, you know, he kind of was lacking in that last mile, and he said he couldn't compete with the 152. But I think, generally speaking. Great moment there. And then on the other side on the on the team front, talked to Brody Chapman of Brentwood afterwards, and he said that he felt like the win puts them on the national stage. The team from Tennessee has to be respected now. And I have to agree a little bit with him. I think that was a great win. The win over St. Anthony's was a very convincing one. So um I truly think the the boys' race was, was awesome to see. But I'll let I'll let you two get into the girls' race a little bit. What did you see from the girls' race? Ashley, I'll go to you.
3: Okay. <laughs> I was like, Olivia, you want to take this? I'll t- I'll take the leap. <laughs> so we, I think the storyline, too, has to be so. Not only did Josephone repeat he won last year, he comes in and wins again this year, but Ruby Little of Marist, she won last year, she comes in and wins again in 1808.5. And so, I mean, she was experienced at this. She knows what it feels like to win at Wingfoot on this national stage under the lights and the atmosphere she comes out victorious, and so I have to give her kudos to that one. And I know you mentioned Maxwell Harden. I mean, shoot, he still had a great race when you know when you're looking at the results. You know, just m- misses out on that win there. Um, and then, like you said again, Brentwood over St. Anthony's. It was, I mean, there's it was dominant. Like there's no question. I mean, they scored seventy points to St. Anthony's one twenty nine. Brentwood had a fifteen forty nine team average to St. Anthony's sixteen oh nine. They were led by Brody Chapman in fifteen twenty one.
0: That's a statement maker right there,
2: for sure. Olivia,
0: yes. Can we name Ruby Little here, the Wingfoot Queen at this point, <laughs> defending her title here? She handled her business over the weekend, and what is even crazier is she ran the exact time that she ran last year eighteen oh eight point five zero, all the way to the tenths to the hundreds of a second. So that is when do we ever see that? Where you ran the exact same time? So. Kudos to Ruby Little for doing an amazing job. And just even speaking of the boys race just a little bit, you know, I think Joe Sapone, his race strategy is quite interesting to me. Just kind of hanging tight there. And then once again, just pulls the same trick out, you know, just, hey, we're going to kick it off, you know, on this final turn. And again, he improved on his time by 23 seconds from a year ago for 150620 to win that title. So great boys race and outstanding performance from Ruby Little as well.
2: Awesome. Let's move over to Oregon, the Nike Portland XC invite. We had uh, some miles, but contributor there get interviews and photos. So if you're interested in some of that stuff, go to the Meet page. I think we have an interview here with Alexander Garcia Silver. Um, he is from Coos Bay, Marshfield. If you two don't know, this is the same high school as Steve Prefontaine. A legend. Over 50 years ago, you know, he, he's here now. And I talked with his coach recently, asked him, point blank, is uh, Alexander the fastest guy since Steve? And he responded, yes, without a doubt. So it's really interesting to see this guy really flourish on the same beating path that Prefontaine once had in Oregon. Uh, Any other thoughts on that? I mean, he won. Nike Portland in 1455 in a really good field. What, what are our thoughts on, on his performance here? Olivia.
0: Yeah, so Alexander Garcia-Silver won the gold here. And so I thought that was extraordinary to just see that. And I know we have his interview, so we'll play it in just a moment. But this guy, like, things are starting to click for him. And I think that's really, really important. I feel like it's clicking at just the right time of where these kids are as they move towards, you know, states are – Actually, now we're just talking about off-air. States is around the corner for a lot of these teams. And so the fact that he's starting to get sharp and really just execute race strategy right now I think is amazing. And so for him, this was his fourth win in five races in his second straight sub-15-minute performance. He ran a 14.45 just earlier at the Prefontaine Memorial Run. And as you mentioned, Corey ran a 14.55.20 and felt strong the entire race. But I think it's quite interesting from the same hometown as Steve – Prefontaine, which I think is extraordinary right there.
2: What, what is there any more to that, Ashley? What do you think there's, like, behind... All right, obviously, he's good. He's great. But, like, running in the same place 50 years after this legend, what do you think that means to sort of be doing that?
3: I mean, surely in the back of his mind, he's got to be thinking, like, whoa, like, this is... <laughs> I'm part of something that Prefontaine started. And here we are so many years later, he probably... I mean, I'm sure there's no pressure, but it probably maybe in his mind. He's like, I got to I got to live up to that hype, you know? So now, like, I especially think I'm a big believer in the kind of the process of like, sometimes you just need one race that's like really good. And then all of a sudden it's just like a domino effect. And I maybe looking at the Prefontaine Memorial run where he ran that 1445 there. I mean, hey, it's the namesake, Prefontaine. Maybe he was like, all right time to get rolling. So now just a week after that, he runs 1455 here. And I mean, that's just an impressive company to be in. So kudos to
0: him.
2: Yeah. Do we want to play this, this interview that we have you know, with pretty
0: him?
1: Tight, <laughs> like, how are you feeling? I, I feels so good. I knew someone was special. I knew the season was going to be yeah. special, but I didn't think something like this would happen. Honestly, I'm just beyond grateful. I'm grateful to my mom, my parents, my coaches, and most importantly, God. Yeah. So it's been a big experience and a I'm beyond ecstatic right now. I know there's a lot of good guys here. I know boys coming from California, Washington, Hawaii. You know, it means a lot to come here to represent Marshfield High School, Cruise Bay, Oregon, you know, Oregon boy, Oregon boy. Yeah, uh, how much more? What, All right, we can stop it from there. We kind
2: of just want to hear about Oregon boy, baby. Like, that's where it's about.
1: <laughs> All right.
2: Um, I know, I know we wanted to chat on Hannah Thompson. She looked really good, but we're going to move on and get to the next section. Whose stock has risen the most in the last month, Olivia? Let's go to you first.
0: Well, here we go. Hannah Thompson's number one. <laughs> hey. I have three athletes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I gotcha. Uh. Well, I, I know we. I know this segment is which which athletes have kind of risen their stock over the last month. I have three. Individuals here. Hannah Thompson will kick it off for us, the sophomore from Montgomery, California. I feel like she's now starting to be in conversation as a national contender. She ran the fourth fastest 5K of 164920 to win the Elite Girls Dana Championship race literally last weekend at the Nike Portland Cross Country Meet. She said all PRs from the two mile in the cross country races all the way up through 5K, and she is your defending. Uh, California state champion here where she ran her fastest 5K of the season with a 17.38. So Hannah Thompson, I think, has risen her stock. Number two, I know Corey mentioned her last weekend, Peyton and no of Ballard out in Iowa. She opened with a 17.23 at the Webster City Cross Country Invitational, second to Abby Nekeneke at the Roy Griac Invitational. And you guys, I don't think we dove into kind of the competition. I know we were talking about the teams, but... There were a handful of girl individuals who are on the honorable mention, on the Miles Split 50 rankings. She edged out Allie Banbridge, Cindy Dreddrow, Addison Price, and over 400 other athletes. So Peyton and No, I feel like has definitely raised the bar from this past weekend. And my third athlete is a great friend of ours, Devin Kipiego from St. Raphael Academy in Rhode Island. He finally made his season debut at the Ocean State Cross Country Invitational where he won the title in a 1457. This is not only a new 5K personal best for him, but his first sub 15-minute performance, and he ran a 194 speed rating. What is also interesting was he broke Gavin Sherry's 1457 meet record Devin became the third Rhode Island athlete to break 15 minutes in the 5k during the cross country season. And it's going to be exciting as his next couple meets are going to be at the Manhattan invitational at the beginning of October in New York. So it's going to be exciting to see what Devin Cape Diego does for the remainder of the year.
2: And he's going after Chez's record at that invitational in the yep. Eastern Ch- States championship where Olivia will be. So he, she will be there. I'll be there. She there. Might be able to talk to him afterward. Looking forward to it. Shout out to you, Devin. All right. Ashley, what do you got?
3: Like Olivia, I picked out three individuals that have really impressed me in the month of September. I'm going to start with Danny Simmons of American Fork in Utah. He was the big transfer of the summer. I think we all thought that he was going to be one of those guys that could be in contention for, you know, nationally in the national rankings, but I don't think we realized just how good he could be this season he just, I mean, he's the leader right now in 5K nationally. He ran 14:31.8 8 to win the Utah Pre-State meet on September 14th, which is huge, not just for him individually, but also for American Fork as a team that's looking to climb the national rankings. He's up there with guys he's competed against, you know, Taysen Echo Hawk, Liam Henninger. Those are two of our guys on the, you know, within the top 15 on the mile split 50 rankings. So I think he's one that has really improved on his stock so far. Then I want to go to Patrick Kuhn, who's also someone that's really impressed me of Leon High School in Florida. So he opened up his season with a 15:22 5K. Then runs a 15:38. Then at the Southern Showcase in the middle of September, he runs a huge 14:43 PR to take the win there against you know top teams like Jesuit. I have some of, of you know New Orleans. I have some of the top guys in the country. It's his first time under 15 minutes for 5K. And he is a guy who does have national championship racing experience. He finished 37th at East Bay last year. However, I think he's starting to prove that he's not a guy that's going to, you know, just be in a field nationally. He's going to go into a national field, you know, in the postseason, but be someone that's going to compete up with the top guys. So I think he's someone that we should look forward to as the season continues. And then lastly... I want to talk about Samantha Humphreys of Flower Mound in Texas. So when I was down in Denton this week, and I actually had a chance to chat with Samantha in Flower Mound with her sister, Nicole, and she she told me, she's like, you know, I'm really starting to realize that I belong in the national contention with all these top girls. She opened her season with a 1725 KPR at the Marcus Coach T invite for third. Then she has a huge race at Woodbridge, which you just saw that picture from, 16.03 for three mile PR there. She is a legitimate national title contender, I believe. And I think she, you know, she's also her and her sister Nicole. I mean, you see Natalie Cook leaving Flower Mound. However, now these two are going to be stepping up to lead a nationally ranked Flower Mound program.
2: Good picks. All right. I got three on my end, too Rocky Hansen of Christ School, (laughs) Landon Haymeyer of Rocky Mountain, Idaho, and Helen Sox of Holland West, Ottawa, and Michigan. So, Rocky, you know, We don't really have to talk about it that much. 14.45 at a DSXC. He's revved up. I think he's entered into the next class of elite guys who can compete for a national title, not just a state title. And if you want to read all about his background and foundation, go to Ashley's story on Miles But What was the one thing he keeps telling himself? Rest?
3: Race hard, run hard. Race hard, run hard. Love it. Rocky Mm -hmm.
2: Hanson. Lyndon Haymeyer of Rocky Mountain High School in Idaho don't sleep on this guy. This guy just ran fourteen fifty-six on September 14th and won Bob Furman past weekend in 1458. Two straight sub fifteens. Rocky Mountains is the school where Michael Sklagowski broke four minutes just six years ago. Lennon's the the next guy up, best guy since Michael. So I really think he's starting to develop a footprint and and Elevate Rocky Mountain to that next level in the Northwest. I think they have a shot on the national stage. Helen Sox of Holland West teams with Ariane Olsen, and I think those two are the best duo in the country right now, and them alone are propelling their team international rankings and, and and they're remaining pretty consistent but helen she's run 1701 this past weekend in ok red jamboree she's been under 1725 in four straight performances she's in incredible form right now and i think she's really elevated herself so those are my three we're going to jump next into a new segment fun segment athlete comps we're going to we're going to position three athletes and we're going to describe how they fit the molds of previous runners in the past so who are their comps so the athletes we're going to get into hunter jones of benzy central Simeon birnbaum of rapid city steven and irene riggs of morgantown west virginia olivia who is your comp for hunter jones
0: My comp for Hunter Jones is Sam Worley, and I am a huge fan of this guy. I feel like Sam does a great job of handling pressure. He racked up state titles at Comal Canyon in Texas before heading out to the University of Texas. And Sam also progressed throughout his high school career where he really put himself out there his senior year with a high place finish at national competitions. He even finished second at Team Nationals and ninth at Foot Locker. And honestly, when we look at Hunter Jones's resume, I feel like it's quite similar. I feel like he's on that same path. I can see him really doing some really big things this season. And again, we talk about this all the time, how gentlemen just kind of progress a little bit while they're in high school. And I feel like Hunter Jones is on that same route as Sam Worley. So that is who I'm comparing Hunter Jones with, Sam Worley.
2: I- Ashley, who's your comp?
0: All
3: right, for Hunter Jones, I'm going to go with Leo Doshbach, who... He graduated from Highland High School in Arizona, class of 2020, then went on to the University of Washington, basically because when you kind of compare both of the athletes, they have very similar versatility from, you know, the cross-country 5K all the way down to 800. So let me give you some stats. Jones has ran 152 for 800, 408 for the one mile, 858.32, a 1420 indoor 5K, and 1436 5K on the grass. Josh Bach ran 151.99 in the 800, very similar there, a 359 one-mile, 851, 3200, and a 1414 5K cross-country. I see a lot of similarities there. I mean, they can go down to more of those middle distances, like the 800, but then, I mean, shoot, they can both go out there and run 14 lows on the on the grass. And so I see a lot of similarities with Jones kind of mirroring a lot of that, you know, kind of that star yeah the star power across all different events
2: well I think generally just power in multiple events too and I I agree there too for Hunter so what I see from him physically imposing runner Mm -hmm. really confident winds it up first half second half is much better than second half typically and can put down a great performance when it demands of itself so my comp is Reed Brown of South Lake Carroll. He won echo Nationals back in 2016. Reed was phenomenal in the back half of races. Really powerful runner when it counted. Hunter Jones, Reed Brown. That's my comp there. All right, we're going to move to our next comp. That's Simeon Birnbaum, the new guy on the block. Olivia, who do you got?
0: The new guy on the block. I love that. So. As we know, with Simeon Birnbaum, he really, I feel like, is a wild card. He was under the surface and then all of a sudden surprised us with a huge mile performance last year when he ran that third all-time mark of a three fifty-nine fifty-one, 51 to a little Brooks PR invitational. You know who I have to compare him to? Hobbs Kessler, complete wild card, another athlete that kind of soared under the radar and then all of a sudden boomed and just like broke national records, setting all-time marks left and right. And I feel like Simeon Birnbaum this year has wasted zero time to show that he's just picking off where he left off from the spring. So I have to compare Simeon Birnbaum to Hobbs Kessler, the hawk that soared underneath the radar and then boom, just just gave us a performance.
2: Ashley, as a throwback here, um, w- w- what are your thoughts on yours?
3: Okay, I'll have to explain <laughs> this one. Just, just hear me out, okay? Again, kind of going on the theme of like the hawk under the radar. I'm going to compare Simeon to David Waddle, and if you don't know who David Waddle is, then you you don't know middle distance running in American history. But he won. If you if you go on YouTube and look up the 1972 YouTube, yeah. um, finals in the 800 at the Olympics, there. You will see David Waddle, complete with his ball cap, you know, toe in the line with some of the, he was kind of an underdog in that race. And he was in dead last from the very, from the get-go. He comes all the way back in the final lap to take the win over some heavy, heavy competition. And to me, a lot, that kind of reminds me of that kind of under the radar, then burst out to, onto the scene like Simeon has. I mean, shoot, Simeon, he's a kid from South Dakota. I think... You know, a lot of people, when he went under four minutes for the mile at Brooks PR, we were like, who is this kid? I mean, he grew up in Canada playing hockey. Like, here he is all of a sudden, this guy with a lot of swagger, some, you know, humble swagger, I'll say, comes out and just drops that bomb on the whole running community. And I, to me, that reminds me a lot of how David Waddle was able to go out there and shock the world, but do it humbly and do it in a way that was just, like, mind-blowing. Well, so... To-
2: i'll tell you what at Arcata and at brooks pr the race plan of Burnbaum was exactly that yeah you know he didn't really need to lead at any stretch he just needed to be there at the end so he kind of raced similar similarly i mean not completely but yeah. like obviously it was the same style of racing so my comp I initially said Ryan Hall and that was mostly for looks like Ryan Hall has like the tuft of hair across his face <laughs> and Simeon does too. Uh, Ryan Hall was a great runner in high school. So is Simeon. Uh, but I think I'm going to go with Andrew Weeding because Andrew Weeding ran his last two years at Kimball Union Academy. He was in a completely other sport up until he found track and field. You know, as, as Ashley just said, Simeon was a great hockey player and only until he realized his potential did he com- completely make that move over so i see some similarities with andrew weeding because of the immense potential that is there for him simian's also a very tall guy uh, right, roughly around one, and and has a very powerful stride so that's my comp too last one on the market here irene riggs of morgantown olivia what do you got
0: I feel like Irene Riggs is a very unique individual where she's just been like completely dominating the state of West Virginia. I feel like she is a contender for the national title, similar to how Katie Raisenberger was in high school. Katie, again, competed very well against the state of Colorado, and she even earned a national title during her senior year. Katie also won team nationals and then was 13th her freshman year and 6th. Both her sophomore and junior year at those national competitions. Irene Riggs finished fourteenth last year at East Bay. So Irene Riggs is one of those athletes that we have within the top five on the model split fifty rankings, leading the leader leaderboard currently right now. And so it's gonna be interesting to see how Irene Riggs's season unfolds because I definitely think she's a contender for that national title.
2: Good one. I like it. Ashley.
3: I like that pick, Olivia. I'm going to go with, I I would compare her to Marley Starlipper. And basically because when you look at those two athletes, they've had very similar progression when you look at how they finish, you know, national competitions as well as how they've progressed time-wise year after year in their careers. Looking at their freshman year, so Riggs runs a 1755 personal best, third at West Virginia State's. Starlipper runs 1827 PR, second at State's. Sophomore year, that's when Starlipper kind of, like, had you know she was kind of realizing her potential natu- nationally, and she you know qualified for East Bay. Would I would argue that Riggs would have had some similar progression if not for that COVID season that kind of made things a little funky training wise. And then junior year, you have Riggs who qualifies for East Bay Nationals, gets 14th there in 1748. In Starlippers junior year, she ran 1754 on that same course, finishing 13th. And now senior year's off with a bang for Riggs. And, you know, she's, you know, at the top of our mouse with 50 rankings, opened up her season with a 1703. Probably would have gone faster if she had not, you know, taken a few wrong turns along the way in that race. And, you know, Starlipper opened up her season as a senior in a 1630. So I see a lot of similarities there and just, you know, them improving year after year in terms of how they're racing, how they're attacking these races. And I, I see that a lot in Riggs.
2: Two picks there. I'm going to go with Sidney Massarelli. Iron Riggs reminds me of Sidney Massarelli for different reasons. Like Massarelli ran at a very small school and really, really came out of nowhere to just pop up on the national scene. Irene's kind of been hovering for a long time, but she didn't necessarily make that jump until last year. And I think there's there's definitely parallels there. Masarelli was also a crossover talent, uh, was a really good basketball player, had some Division One interests, and moved over to running. Riggs' family is a swimming family. Her father is the coach at West Virginia. She has history in the pool, so there's, there's crossover there. And I think, much like Sydney, Riggs is a, a national title threat this year. And I don't necessarily think people are on that wagon yet. But I think as the season progresses and she keeps putting down the, these performances, I think they're going to get there. So that's why she reminds me of Sydney as well. Really like that segment. That's pretty fun. We should do that again.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. We should make it a Our, staple. Yeah, for sure.
2: Mm-hmm. All right. Next up, Wild Weekend ahead of us. What One note, uh, Hurricane Ian is uh, like barreling down the, the – the Gulf Coast of of Florida and is potentially going to hit in the next couple of days. FL Runners has been canceled. There's rain, uh, I guess, uh, rain patterns forming over a lot of e- eastern states. So XC could be affected this weekend as a result of that. But we do have a lot of meets across the country. Chili Pepper, Nike Town, McQuaid, Alexander Asics, Jesse Owens Classics. Let's get to the ones that we really think are going to be important. Olivia, I will move to you first.
0: Yes, I want to dive into the Jesse Owens Classic, which will be in Oakville, Alabama. And I'm going to specifically just think about and talk about the boys that will be competing. We're going to have the Alabama number one runner and number two going head to head for the first time this season. Evan Hill of Scottsboro leads the leads the state um, in the 5K. He has one sub 15-minute 5K underneath his belt this year. He clocked a 14.55 at the Southern Showcase, and he was second at the 6A cross-country state championships last year. But he's going to receive some competition from Maxwell Harden, which we talked about from this past weekend out in Wingfoot. Um, He represents Auburn and he, last October, has had three stress fractures in his foot. I know Corey, you mentioned and talked to him about that during the post-race interview. He was second to Joe Sapone at the Wingfoot Cross Country Classic this weekend. He ran a season's best of 1507 there. So these next weeks, as he mentioned, are going to be crucial for him as he prepares for states. He wants to focus on his speed work. He hasn't had a cross-country title to his resume yet and he's looking forward to competing at the Champs Nationals. that will be taking place later in December. And as I mentioned, these boys have not faced each other yet this season, but just kind of looking at last season, they faced each other twice at the Southern Showcase and at this same meet last year, and Maxwell Harden finished ahead of Evan both times. So I'm curious to see what's going to kind of unfold this weekend as these boys have a really big matchup ahead of them.
2: Love to see it. All right. Over Up north, I think, Arkansas? Ashley, what do we got in Arkansas?
3: That's right. We have the Chili Pepper Festival going on in Arkansas this weekend. And when I was in Denton this weekend at the Garmin Miles would meet, all the Bentonville guys, like, they were talking to me. They're like, oh, yeah, we're ready for Chili Pepper. Like, we're so excited. I think they were super happy with their team performance there at Garmin this weekend that now they're, like, super pumped about Chili Pepper. And so they will be there, you know, other top teams in Arkansas and Texas as well. However, so last time out, we had a guy, Connor Burns, who finished second in that race. Wesley Shipsy also was in that race, finished third, Sage Wild fifth. So some of these guys that are on, you know, our national rankings now this year, you know, they're used to this course and we could see him again this year. And so look for Connor Burns potentially to have a big race there. We see him out there. We also have... Other big meets, like the Nike South Invitational in Texas, where you'll see a lot of Texas teams out there. And then the New Balance Shore Coaches Invitational in New Jersey. You'll see Union Catholic and Jimmy Wishusen at it again against another New Jersey team, Haddonfield Memorial. So I'm really excited for those meets as well.
2: So Wesley Shipsy, as you said, from Central Catholic Oregon, I think it's important to see them at Chili Pepper. They were actually there last year. Yep. They started on our rankings in the top 25. But I dropped them recently because we just haven't seen anything. Mm-hmm. So if they have a very good performance, that'll be a very good indication of, okay, they were there for a reason. Now here's why they proved it. So that's definitely something I'm looking for. And I have a question for you, too. Chili Pepper Invitational, do you think you get like a... Like a token chili, and you have to, like, Okay, taste that's it. what
3: I'm wondering, right? Like, <laughs> I, I, I imagine, like, you, you cross the line. They like, got little, you know, here you go. Here's, here's a winner. A yeah, or, like, a little goodie bag, you know? <laughs> or instead of water cups, they give you a pepper
2: after the race. Interesting. So, Are either of you ladies' spice spices? You like spices?
0: Ooh, yes.
2: No? Yes. No. No, no. no spices. Olivia's, like,
0: bland. Extra, no, extra, extra mild Yeah, uh, very plant. Yeah. <laughs> Plain bagels over here. That's how I roll, so.
2: All right. All right, good stuff there. And one other big invitational to to mention, obviously, I I think it's growing in stature because I did hear Jesuit is forming contingency plans. Possibly if the hurricane affects Great American, they might move over to Nike Town where they're already registered. That would make this meet even bigger, larger, uh, and prominent. Center Grove's boys, Carmel's boys, Mason's boys, Rockbridge, Plainfield, and Jesuit. Those are like powerhouse teams going to Nike Town Twilight. Columbus North girls, Noblesville girls, uh, Carmel girls. I mean, this this one, it's at Terre Haute, which is a championship course. Uh, That's where the state championships run. NCAAs have been there many a time. It's the best competition you'll find at this stage of the season in the Midwest. Can't argue about the prominence of that meet. I think we're going to find out some really... Big things from the performances there, and and it's under the lights. I mean, I you know under light races. I really am I'm, I'm getting a love for these things. I really want to see more of them. So that I, I definitely want to see that, and more on the Chili pepper, Just Connor Burns. Let's see what he can do. He's coming off the performance at the Detweiler Park in Illinois. Going to a 5K here. It'll be fun to see him. Last segment of the day, National Meet of the Week, Great American in Cary, North Carolina. Uh, NSAF has been reporting and monitoring the situation with Hurricane Ian, so this meet could be affected by rain. But Ashley says herself that she's run in a hurricane before. Do we want to just go into this a little bit? What sure. was it like? What was it like? How was it?
3: So I believe my yeah my senior year of high school, my last ever cross-country race in high school, it was the Team National South Regional and I believe there was some sort of tropical storm something going through and I remember I we were my team was in the the fast race and like the bottoms fell out of the sky like as you know we're towing the line and so you can barely see like I was covered in mud I'm sure you can find pictures out there somewhere but I mean I've done it before other people have done it before so maybe we'll see it I mean what year wait was this This was 2018 2018. Are you trying to find a picture, Corey? Uh,
2: yes, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs>
3: but nonetheless, great American. I've raced a great American before, and it's always a really, you know, really fun meet to be a part of. Wake Med's a pretty fast course. And so, you know, going into this race, looking at, you know, some of the key storylines to watch for on the boys' side, your top seed is going to be Jake Liebert of Wando High School in South Carolina. He's the top guy in South Carolina right now. He was second to Rocky Hansen at the eye-opener meet in Sparkenburg to open up his season, um, and then fourth at the Southern Showcase in a new PR of 1454, so I'll be excited to see him go after. Hopefully, fingers crossed if the weather, you know, produces some decently fast times, but I'll be looking forward to him to be one of those top contenders. On the girls' side, we got Kiara O'Shea as the top seed. We also have Wingfoot champion Ruby Little coming out to Great American as well, but I think the real big highlight of this is going to be the team race. If Jesuit does end up going to Great American, they'll be the team to watch on the boys' side. They're led right now by Brady Mullen, who has been a basketball athlete turned distance athlete that season. He broke the school record in at the Southern Showcase in 1508. And then on the girls' side, you'll see a bunch of nationally ranked teams go head-to-head You'll have cut following their finish at woodbridge a couple weeks ago saratoga springs led by emily bush cardinal gibbons weddington both teams in north carolina that are up there in the national
0: rankings so that'll be really exciting to see
2: olivia i'm going to toss it to you because i'm still looking at these photos
0: i'm trying to i was just about out. to ask if you're still looking for the photo i can spare you a couple more moments because i want to dive a little bit deeper into this as well as ashley mentioned i think the boys race is going to be interesting but even just kind of looking at the girls side too we have saratoga springs who is number two, will bring a full squad, and they're going to face Cuthbertson. So this is going to be, I think, really exciting to just see. This, I think, is going to be the first time Saratoga Springs has like faced like national competition outside of the state of New York. So we finally get to see a really great glimpse of just where this team stands moving into this meet. Ashley, as you mentioned, Kiera O'Shea is going to face Ruby Little, who is the winner from Wingfoot. But we also have to mention Emily Bush into this conversation as well from Saratoga Springs. Kiera will face national championship contenders for the first time this season. We have Emily Bush up there on the split 50 rankings along with uh, Kiera O'Shea there. So it's going to be great to just kind of see these girls match up for the first time. As you mentioned, Jake Lieber of uh, Wando is the top seed and is the only boy who went sub-15 for 5K this season so far, but his teammate Brendan Gomez is also on the cup of kind of dipping underneath that barrier, so crossing our fingers that, you know, depending on how the weather is kind of looking, if that could be something for him to strive for, but then you also have Krister Joblad and Brady Mullen who are also on the cuff and will also be in that mix as well. So. I think overall, this National Me of the Week is going to give us some great individual performances and great team matchups as well. Going into this weekend, if everything goes as planned,
2: no Corey, luck. Where did you find the photo? No so luck good. on the photo. No luck on the photo. Good. Too oh, many. Good. Um, too right. Embarrassing. <laughs> but that was, you know, this crazy thing. You know, the crazy thing. I was at NXR Southeast in 2017 covering event for Milesplit, and Ashley was a junior, I think. In
3: seventeen. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So yeah. I was there. Whoa. It's kind of interesting. I was there too.
2: <laughs> Wild.
3: We didn't know each other yet, but we Whoa, were there. Wow.
2: <laughs> well, so a little bit, I think, just looking at teams that are either on the cusp of the national rankings or on the national rankings, as you said, Jesuit boys, if they go, really good place to to determine sort of where they are in the season after the Southern Showcase. So the, the Weddington girls – have dropped from the rankings. It's the the kind of the same line of thinking uh, with Central Catholic. You know, one strong performance could you boost you right back up there. Cuthbertson's girls, as you mentioned, the top ranked team going in, and they had a really impressive performance at Woodbridge. Let's see how they can hold on. Assumptions girls out of Kentucky are, are a little underrated, but I think they definitely have the parts to be great. So that's a team I'm watching out for from Kentucky, and then. Obviously, Saratoga Springs. Now, they they got bumped down from the first spot, but they clearly, I think I see them and Buchanan maybe battling all season long, you know, performance by performance. They could very easily be right up there at one after a great one. So it's not any, you know, it's not anything they did that really bumped them down. It's just Buchanan being a little bit better at Woodbridge. So, you know, Saratoga Springs, being able to travel, really good storyline to watch. And overall, Great American will have our eye on it all weekend. Ladies, anything else before we leave?
0: I think we covered a lot this show. I mean, we're so. in the thick of cross-country right now. We covered
3: <laughs> yeah. so much. And we are. I'm excited.
2: Yeah, longer than a 5K, yeah. this show. This is, this show was about <laughs> five 5Ks, so for the elite, at least.
3: I was going to say, right. for you, Corey, are the five 5Ks hey, for you? Hey, All
2: right, <laughs> all right. Man, all right. So we will be back next Tuesday for on the lawn, where we for on the line, where we will cover the next batch of performances. Stay tuned for everything on Maspa.com, and we'll see you next week.